Welcome into the Take Chances podcast. I'm your host, Chance Mack. And on the Take Chances podcast, we talk about three things, tech, culture, and people. Now, I'm really excited to bring to you all our guest today, Robin Dang. Um, I'm going to get into his story, but I want to kind of recap our last episode. So our last episode was with Shadeha Warner, and we talked about the Fitness 3K movement. Really great episode. So go check that out if you haven't already. This is the first episode of 2021, and I couldn't have a better guest to have on the podcast today. Robin, who are you? Introduce yourself, man. (laughs) Man, Chance, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, Robin Dang. I work in uh, a healthcare technology company. Uh, I live in San Jose, California, Um, originally from China. Uh, So our family moved to Toronto uh, when I was about 11 years old, uh, relocated a couple of times uh, uh, in the States as well. So from a variety of places, Houston, uh, I used to work in Austin, Dallas, Salt Lake City, and landed here in uh, Silicon Valley. Nice, nice, nice. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to have you, like I said earlier. So just to give my audience some connection. So I met Robin when we were working at Workday um, in Dallas, Texas. So in episode one, I kind of talked through my story, like my career journey and how I got to where I am today. You know, we were so let me give you some context. So we were in this rent program, right? And the rent program was to take early career sales professionals and develop them to get into enterprise account executive roles, which is what we do today. Uh, One of the things that solidified Robin and I's relationship was he asked me, he's like, Chance, uh, how much money do you have saved? And I'm like, I'm thinking I'm doing well, right? Uh, I said, man, I have like maybe 20, 25,000. And Robin says, that's it. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, how much should I have saved? Like, and uh, he's like, man, you just got to start investing. You got to start saving your money some type of way. And um, I, I usually like, I will teach me because, you know, I had bought some shares of Apple in the past. I maybe spent like a thousand dollars on it and never checked my account again. Um, but then Robin was like, yo, like, this is the way that you can actually accumulate wealth and, uh, save your money outside of just working a job and putting it into your savings account. So uh, Robin was really one of the first people that really got me started on into the stock market and, and into investing. So thank you for that, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully you did. Uh, okay. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so far so good, man. We've been on like, ever since that time, we've been on like a incline, right? Like we haven't That's hit it yeah. really any bumps in the road. So, um, you know, but yeah, and, and really the first application that uh, that we talked about are the brokers that you got me interested in with Robinhood. So really, really timely given everything that happened this week, man. So I know. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the conversation, but I really want to dive into Robin, Robin's story. Um, what is he doing today and kind of just talk about, about his career path. And I don't want this to be an audio resume. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and just kind of get into your story. So sounds good. You said you said you're, you're from China. You, you grew up in China. What, yeah. what age did you grow uh, come to the States? Well, we went to Canada when I was 10 and a half and came to the States uh, 11, 12 ish. OK. And junior, I think what high. Yeah. So so when you were in China, did you speak any English at all or did you learn that all over here? We took some my mom is big on like education and mm-hmm. uh, putting me in these extracurricular um, classes. So I was always taught English. Uh, mm-hmm. in these weekend classes, but not conversational. Uh, you know, you never really understand how uh, little you know until you get to the actual situation. So 
I remember, you know, going to Canada, going to school on the first day. I thought I understood uh, a lot of English already because I was one of the top students uh, when I was in China. Uh, but you know, just to give you a sense, we're in a classroom, just going round robbing. Every kid is introducing themselves. You know, people ask me for my name, and I said, "My name is Robin," and then I introduce myself. Okay, and then they just dropped another question. I, to this day, I have no idea what they asked me. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I, "I don't, I don't understand." Uh, it was just like super embarrassing. Everybody, uh, you know, it was it was a small group. Mm -hmm. Everybody was quiet. They're waiting for me to respond. I had no idea what was being asked. So that really has motivated me to teach myself, get good at it. And about a year later, it was conversational. And from there, uh, you know, now being a, a career sales rep, I talk for a living. Yeah, <laughs> kind of incredible. Yeah, man, it, it's it's very incredible. I, I think that that's um, you know really inspiring for a lot of people who may be, you know, immigrants to the country or to people that may, you know, feel like their English is not where they want it to be just to hear you speak today and, and be in the role that you're in. And, uh, and then, I, man, I, I think one of the things that excites me about you, Robin, is just you're so smart and so well versed on a lot of different things, but especially in the area of finance. Um, so let's kind of fast forward into the story. So you said you moved to, to Houston, Texas, um, was that the first place that you moved after leaving uh, Canada? Stateside, yeah, yeah. We came. Uh, so my father came to Houston. He worked in uh, oil and gas okay. as an engineer. Uh, brought the family over. Uh, so my mother is in the same industry. She's also an engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, somehow they found jobs in the U.S. It was back when it was much easier. Yeah. Uh, and the situation was different, even politically. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we, we were able to um, do okay. Uh, and then do extremely well. Oil had a great run, mm -hmm. uh, you know, from the moment we landed up until maybe 2015 is when it peaked. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it was, it was a great decade of, you know, learning and um, accumulating wealth for mm -hmm. my parents. Uh, and, uh, you know, went to junior high, high school, went to Texas A&M and studied mm -hmm. finance one of the most conservative universities in the country. In retrospect, <laughs> I may not have done it again if I, if I uh, had to go back and, and choose. But, uh, you know, it was a good experience, big school. I met a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about the college experience. But uh, after that, I went to grad school. Uh, my first order of business after finishing undergrad was not to get a job. <laughs> I just did not want to work at all. Okay. I, I felt like uh, life is too short. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do different things, meet people. Mm -hmm. uh, so I used school. Uh, postgraduate programs as a way to do that. So I did uh, one year of uh, grad program in uh, Seoul, South Korea. Oh, nice. And then I went to Switzerland and completed my program uh, in St. Gallen, Switzerland. Okay. Uh, so, you know, a lot of travel in East Asia and Europe, made yeah. a lot of friends, uh, came back stateside and just getting back into career conversation. I got back and I was like, what am I going to do? And I have to earn an income now can't stay with my parents <laughs> for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, so I was always following articles uh, in TechCrunch, VentureBeat, uh, companies getting funded, new ideas, new businesses getting created. I was always interested in technology, but I didn't know how to get in. Uh, mm -hmm. I really didn't want to be a financial analyst or some sort of a corporate uh, accounting person. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not a coder. I don't have a comp sci background. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is you know, meet people, build relationships. So I decided sales was the best way in. And it turns out it was a great choice. Yeah, I couldn't have never predicted this. Um, it afforded us the lifestyle that we 
have today, the income level that I wanted. And, and to be real honest, I mean, it's everyone else is, you know, hurting right now. There's a lot of, uh, you know, my buddies are getting laid off mm-hmm. uh, in Texas, but I was still able to maintain a job and still be employed. Yeah. Even, even during the lockdowns, uh, you know, as a part of a digital economy. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of a high level there. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about how your mom was really bit important for you. Oh, your mom was really big on education yeah. and you decided to study finance in college. What made you decide to go that route versus any other thing? Yeah. Lots of choices. So I had some thoughts about going to law school. Okay. Um, maybe wanting to get into engineering like my parents. Okay. Uh, so some sort of a STEM program. Uh, and then in high school, I think in high school, this is what happened. Uh, so I grew up in Katy, Texas, a suburb of Houston. Yep. I was really bored. There's not a lot to do besides going to the mall and going mm-hmm. to the movies. So I was always thinking about the next steps. I have a hyperactive brain. I needed to consume information or else I would just be uh, not very happy. So I was reading a lot of business books and I found Robert Kiyosaki's uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Great book. It, it, it's, it's a classic, you know, the guy's questionable. Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it today. He's, uh, you know, he, he's had a lot of questionable and fraudulent behavior, some may say. Yeah, but uh, I would know, recommend it to folks that don't know. Like, it's a great entry level book into. Yeah, I'll, I'll summarize literacy. it for for the audience here. It, it just it represents. So the book had a couple of ideas, but the first big idea that I really uh, took away from was to have your money work for you and mm-hmm. generate, have investing uh, as an activity to generate income, as opposed to using your time. Yeah. So get out of the business of getting paid by hour, by the hour and get into the business of using your money, deploying it into the market and earning a return on it and having that compound over time. So that's mm-hmm. a big idea I took from it. I was like, you know what? Maybe I want to have a conversation around studying business, studying finance and economics and go that route. So that's what I did. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, just your high school experience. Like what type of student were you in high school? What type of person were you in high school? Like were you in the music or are you you know what type of person were you would you say yeah i would say uh and let me I, tell you the reason why i ask yeah. so i ask because there might be someone who's interested in the same same things that you're interested in today and might have a similar background to you maybe you know coming from china or uh just might be interested in you know going to texas a&m all type of different things so tell me about how you were in high school yeah so high school uh Growing up at Katy, it was a, a good experience. And my parents put me in a neighborhood with, you know, high performing schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I did is I would do the work in school and do okay, but it was never really a focus. And I still ended up being, doing all right. I mean, I got accepted into college, <laughs> but it yeah. was never really a focus of mine. I was okay. really into music, like you were saying. Um, I played uh, guitar. Uh, you know, before that I was doing, you know, skateboarding and hanging out uh, with yeah. friends. So I was not like, uh, I was an okay student, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, A's and B's and C's, but not, ex- not to the acceptable level of maybe you're like Asian tiger mom. <laughs> uh, and I'm very grateful for my parents. They didn't care. They, they didn't push me that way. They always motivated me to do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And that gave me the flexibility to chart 
um, you know, the path that I'm on right now. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, was into creating. Mm-hmm. I was into the arts and the humanities, maybe uh, even more than studying. Mm-hmm. So. That makes sense. And I, and you know what's funny, Robin, is like, I feel like um, just listening to your story and just the conversations that we've had over time, I feel like we grew up very similar, right? Like my mom was really big into education. Like you go to school, you go to college, get a job, like, you know, just that kind of career path. Right. And, um, you know, even, even the type of student that you were in high school is very similar to me. Like I, you know, while education was important, I did okay in college or in in high school. Um, I was into the arts, right? Like I was into music. I was into like hip hop culture, like that kind of thing. Um, I I played sports, but, you know, I didn't think I was going to go to the NBA or anything like that. But, um, you know, I was, you know, into the arts and humanities and kind of progressed and found my way into into um, the technology space just because I was just so interested in tech. And uh, we've read the same articles like TechCrunch and, um, you know, so let's go let's let's fast forward and let's kind of get into your first job. Right. Like, tell me a little bit about, you know, what your first experience was like when you came back from Switzerland yeah um, post grad school this is crazy I haven't thought about this in years uh so uh I was I got back from Switzerland I was interviewing at every single job I could find I think at one point I was applying to jobs on Craigslist and I showed up (laughs) one day at a a, a factory that produced food I didn't know what it was it turned out it was a factory that sold uh frozen egg rolls and I was gonna be (laughs) like staff accountant I was dressed up in a suit I had a tie on and they they put me in the basement to interview with this guy. He's in a polo shirt. Like, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty casual around here. <laughs> so clearly overdressed for that. I mean, just talking to anybody that w- is willing to take a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember going back to A&M uh, and kind of sneaking into the career fair that's meant for undergraduates. Just having these conversations, you know, in Houston, College Station, like everywhere in Texas, oil and gas is very big. So I, I, I had some ideas on maybe jumping into that industry. Uh, so I was having conversations with oil companies uh, on their, their business training programs. Mm-hmm. It, it turns out that would have been the worst thing to do. I, I really? would have been laid off straight up in, in <laughs> if not in 2016 timeframe, then definitely last year because there was huge cut, uh, job cuts. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad I didn't do that. Um, so I remember taking a bus. I, rem- I can't remember if it's like a mega bus or a Greyhound, but I took a bus from Houston to Austin and I went to a startup accelerator it's called capital factory okay what they do is they have monthly events where entrepreneurs people that are interested in startup can just join in on the ecosystem uh, it's run by josh bayer i think they still do that to, really? to this day. maybe awesome. not during covid but it's still very active uh vc uh yeah. capital factory is so i showed up um and uh you know met a lot of great people business founders and there's um you know, keynote speakers, and they were just talking about the tech scene in Austin. And, you know, everybody talks about, you know, technology companies relocating to Austin. It really started back then when I was, you know, having these conversations in 2014. The trend has already started. Uh, So uh, one of the conversations uh, they were talking about, um, Box, um, the the tech company I ended up joining, starting an Austin, Texas sales and marketing office. And uh, it was going to be something really interesting to me. Uh, so I ended up just dropping a resume and getting called back uh, immediately. The recruiter was interested in my uh, postgraduate work 
and also experience um, globally. Uh, so it was like, I remember it was like a big interview at a hotel uh, conference room. And it was a group interview. We had to do like these exercises and like tell our stories and do these mock you know, sales calls. Uh, ended up being one of the top two candidates that were, uh, you know, that we received offers uh, as a part of our uh, entry into tech. It was a sales development representative at an SDR job mm-hmm. at Box. So that's kind of what started the, the whole journey. Yeah, man. So yeah. The, the thing that really stood, stood out to me about that process or that your first job was um, you took a bus to get there, right? Like, yeah. and this is to something that, you know, you know, you never know what's going to happen at the Capital Factory, right? You just go in there with your resume and go in there with, you know, really no expectation, but you knew that this is something that you wanted to pursue and mm-hmm. look what came of it. Right. But you, and it wasn't about, you know, taking an airplane there, or, you know, driving the nice car there it was just about hustle and grit. And I think that that's something that a lot of people can take away from just that small story that you shared there. So let's move mm-hmm. forward. So you, you worked at, at Dropbox in the SDR role. Um, tell me about your next step. How was your experience at drop at, at box? And then what was your next step after that? Yeah. So it's funny. You said Dropbox. I actually ended up working for <laughs> Box's competitor, which is Dropbox. But the first yeah. job is, is in fact with box. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So how, where did I go from there? Uh, so I ended up, uh, you know, having exploratory conversations, uh, with other technology companies when I have built out my uh, expertise and tenure at box, mm-hmm. uh, with the goal of just maximizing my income. There's really no other <laughs> motivation. Uh, you know, I, it, it, it's, you know, I'm a capitalist. My heart is fine. <laughs> um, so, and, uh, but I would, I would advise, you know, people that are just starting their careers to at least invest in a few years. All right. So end of disclaimer. Uh, so what I did is I, I started having conversations with a lot of technology companies. Uh, I remember, you know, being interested in the enterprise technology companies that box was a customer to, or right? as an employee, I was using these technologies and box was footing the bill on my behalf. So essentially when you log in through the Okta portal, all of those little icons, I apply to all of them and <laughs> it, you know, drop a box was a, was a workday customer for human resources. Uh, or recognized the, it literally recognized the icon. So I applied to a job there and that, you know, brought me uh, to a whole other trajectory. I yeah. ended up working for workday uh, and spending three and a half years there building out my uh, career first as a, um, you know, entry-level salesperson and eventually getting promoted to uh, account executive. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So let's talk about your time at Workday because that's where we met, right? And um, right. yeah, so what was your experience like at Workday? Uh, I know it was eye-opening for me and it just kind of, you know, not only sharpened my skills, but um, it built me up, beat me down, built me back up, right? <laughs> just going on that journey, if I'm being honest, you know, uh, but I needed that, right? Because I was entering into a new space and a new uh, level of, of success. Right. And not even just success Mm -hmm. in terms of just, you know, financially, but mentally thinking about how can I lead organizations, lead change and lead them in a way that, um, that, that fits their business and what they're trying to accomplish. So talk to me about your, your experience at Workday and some of the things that you learned there. Yeah. So uh, what I, the first job I had at Workday was to make phone calls, find people that may be interested in buying and setting up appointments for 
the actual sales rep to sell them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I did that for, I basically wanted to quit every single six month in increment. <laughs> like I do not want to do that job. It, it's, it, it was the most, it's one of the most difficult jobs out there. You're yeah. just out, you know, approaching uh, people cold, interrupting their day. Uh, and uh, I really had, I really wasn't at peace with that yet. Now I am because, you know, that's what I do now. Yeah. <laughs> but back then I, I was like, how can I get into operations? How can I leverage this experience to go into, you know, another type of IT job mm -hmm. uh, to maybe be a solution consultant that does demos, uh, mm -hmm. kind of like the technical selling support. Uh, so that was the goal. Um, but it turned out I was good at what I did. Uh, I was being really frank with people once I got on the phone with them highlighting maybe some of the shortfalls of the system and talking about what we're not good at instead of bragging about what we are good at and mm -hmm. kind of turning people off that way. Uh, and people, you know, CIOs and CTOs found that transparency very refreshing. Mm -hmm. I was successful at it. And when, uh, you know, there was a new program that uh, I heard about, uh, you know, our mutual mentor, Billy Bob Brigman was mm -hmm. building the ramp program to transition these junior sellers into more senior uh, field enterprise sales reps. Mm -hmm. I jumped at the idea. Uh, and I had enough sponsorship for my sales development manager mm -hmm. for them to make a recommendation. That was an important part as even though I wanted to quit, I, my appearance outward was always positive. Mm -hmm. I pushed through and I, you know, just my, my advice for people is if you're in a career right now that you're not exactly happy about, there's no reason to be negative. Absolutely. You know, if you should be grateful that you're getting a check and that's it. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking to make a transition, it's always easier to not jump ship completely and be unemployed, right? To still have work that you're currently doing at the same time, looking for new options. So that's, you know, that will be my advice Absolutely. for anyone out there. Um, yeah. So had a positive attitude for that manager to sponsor me into a meeting. We had a conversation uh, with the ramp team, uh, went through an extensive vetting program for every person that was accepted. There's probably 10 people that were interested extremely uh, selective. And, uh, you know, I was in Salt Lake City. Uh, my folks were visiting me. Uh, I already met my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, fiance, we're, we're having this family dinner. And then the email came in right, right around 5 to 6 p.m. And I was just ecstatic. Um, yeah. I, rem I remember that moment. I'm, I'm sure you do too. Yeah. Kind of like the minute we're actually validated and knowing that this is going to be our career. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, it's, it's funny that you thought that, um, yeah. you know, just that extensive interview process, right? Because I remember going through the process with Billy Bob and I was like, man, like, there's no way I'm getting this job. Because like every time I would have conversations with Billy Bob, we would talk for like an hour, an hour and a half. And I, Billy Bob would just ask me so many questions and I'd be like, hey, Billy Bob, you know, um, you know, I was just trying to be as honest and as as forthcoming as I possibly could and say, hey, this is what I'm, I know. This is what I what I think is an area of opportunity for me, but Hey, at the same time that this might be an area of opportunity, I'm willing to learn. And if you're able to teach me, I'm going to be yeah. extremely coachable. Um, and I'm so glad he gave me that opportunity because it, it uh, I, I was ready for that challenge. Right. Like I was so ready for that challenge and I was, I'm still grateful for that. Um, and I remember, you know, just getting the email, like, Hey, you know, opening it up, you got the job. And I was like, Oh, like I was so excited, man. Yeah. I was so excited. So, um, so yeah, let's talk about, you know, uh, moving forward. Um, mm -hmm. at this time, were you investing in, in anything at the time? Were you into real estate or 
um, yeah. market at the time? I was dabbling. Uh, I was always interested in the markets ever since uh, came back from Switzerland in 2014 timeframe. I think I had a Robinhood brokerage account uh, and I had found out about it, I think on TechCrunch or one of those technology related publications. You were on Robinhood early, man. I was, early. I was one of their beta testers at they, they weren't, they weren't even public yet. And they were only sending out invites to their early list. Wow. So I signed on threw a couple thousand in there and started playing around. Um, yeah, I was really interested in the stock market for a couple of reasons. Uh, I was good with numbers. I was good with analysis. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like following company stories. I remember doing graduate uh, papers on, you know, the Porsche and VW um, hostile acquisition, uh, you know, just writing papers on, uh, you know, the 2008 financial crisis uh, as a part of my undergraduate work as well. It got me interested in financial markets. And it's uh, so there's two parts to um, the stock market. I think there's the fundamental analysis. So the numbers, mm -hmm. there's also the story of these yeah. companies and how management performs and also the growth trajectory. So if you get the numbers down and the story down, I think you'll do really well. Yeah. And as the last 10 years has you know shown us, it's the longest bull market uh, there ever was. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it took a big hit mid-March of last year, but, you know, when now we're at, you know, 20 to 30 to 40% above uh, the all-time highs back in February. Man, uh, so let's talk yeah. about it. Let's dive in. So you were talking let's, about, let's um, you know, two parts, right? The financial yeah. analysis component yep. and then understanding the story. Yep. Last week, uh, Robinhood was in the news for its um, halting of the game stock, stock trading. Um, but let's all let's let's back up. I'm going to tell the whole story. Right. So Reddit and the Wall Street bets uh, subreddit um, basically decided that they were going to throw their money into GameStop to get back at some hedge fund uh, investors that were shorting GameStop. Right. So basically creating a short squeeze for those that don't know the story. Um, but the really important part of what you just said was knowing the financial analytics analysis right doing the due diligence on you know the company's numbers the balance sheet where the company's going um and some people say that these new investors the new investors that are on robin hood and other applications like cash app um that they're skipping that part what are your thoughts on that skipping the financial analyst part they are um i would agree with that uh, analysis chance i think so here's here's the way here's my take on it i think people are bored I think yeah. people have, you know, if you have an income like you and me, mm -hmm. you know, you have a lot of cash laying around because you weren't, you're not traveling, you're not spending money yeah. going out uh, and you're just sitting at home bored. If you're not, you know, doing well, I guess you're still receiving your government stimulus checks mm -hmm. uh, and having extra disposable income. So that's the starting point. Um, there's no sports for a while, yeah. right? Professional sports. I know NBA was back and we're going to the Super Bowl, but for a while there was no sports. So what do people bet on? They bet on the stock market. Yeah. And you see these guys flashing seven figure uh, accounts, Robinhood accounts on YouTube. And they're like capturing these screenshots. And you know, you get jealous, you get really yeah. in interested. And then you start buying things based on what you read on forums, like Wall Street bets on unreliable sources of information. Uh, and then you pile into trades. And I guess this one is successful for these small investors. Um, yeah, so that, that's what I think about it. Obviously, people are skipping the due diligence piece. Um, 
by the way, every piece of information that I'm sharing today is pretty much secondary or tertiary information. You should go to the source of yeah. who, who actually know what they're talking about. There's going to be a couple of guys that I follow, mm -hmm. uh, you know, professor Oswalf Domadorian, he teaches at NYU, uh, it, you know, basically created the evaluation course at, at New York university, uh, for their finance program. Uh, did incredible. you send me his videos? I think I, I think I have. Yeah. 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 We'll be sure to include the links in the show notes as well. Um, okay. I'll you know, sure uh, you know, if I were the intro level, um, person that's interested in investing right now, I would review Bill Ackman's, uh, big mm -hmm. think video, uh, in terms of how, uh, accounting works yep. uh, and you know, how cash flow works. Um, and from there, you know, build your knowledge base on, uh, you know, this kind of cash flows and running models yeah for these public traded entities so that 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 will be uh you know my recommendation there yeah man that's that's a million dollars worth of advice and as we say you know free game right um because if you could just get those components together like understanding the the valuations and understanding how companies um how companies are projecting growth then you can make smarter bets right or smarter decisions on what you're right. investing your money in Mm -hmm. um, and I remember watching those videos from the professor at NYU and um, I, I know you had on like a red turtleneck and a black, like a black turtleneck. <laughs> it was weird, but um, extremely life-changing information because I, I had never really um, understood what to look at. Right. So hearing his conversation um, really helped frame my thoughts on how to evaluate companies and, and what, financial analysis I should be doing, right? So that's really important. And, and like Robin said, I'll be sure to include that in the show notes for us. What else, what are any other thoughts on Robinhood and GameStop and- Yeah, no, just going back to the valuation piece for a second, I think there's only a couple of things that you have to look at. For example, uh, understanding how much is something worth. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this, how much, how much is something worth to you? Why, why do you pay the price that you pay for anything, for those headphones that you're wearing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's always different. Right. Um, yeah. but for me, these headphones were because of quality, um, and then just longevity. I could, I know I can have these forever. Like these are not, these are like, they're not going to break. They're going to be yeah. around for forever. So, so I, I guess I should have asked a different question, which is, uh, I guess if you're in thinking about that headphone company, um, how mm -hmm. would you value how much that company is worth? Okay. From an investment stop yeah. perspective. Uh -huh. Um, so I'll, number one, look at the balance sheet. Right. And then I would look at, um, I would also look at the, the, the second part is the, the, the story. Right. So I, I like to listen to the earnings calls, really understand where the company is going. And I learned this at workday just from, you know, trying to pitch clients on reverse engineering our business proposition into their business. So yeah. understanding their, their earnings calls, then look at their 10 Ks. I can understand where they're making their investments. And then I could see that growth trajectory. But I like to start at the balance sheet, understanding where, you know, they're making their investments, um, what their margins are, um, yep. because that helps signify, do they have cash? Are they in debt? Like what's their entire financial strategy? Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, I, I think when I was just starting, you know, I obviously knew to read the quarterly and the annual statements, but I didn't know what to look for. And I yeah. had very basic knowledge of accounting for my undergraduate work. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it doesn't have to be complicated. I think the way you should think about it is all 
companies should be valued based on their future earnings discounted to present value. Uh, so, you know, what you, what you do is you find, you figure out a projected cash flow, your own cash flow, um, uh, and, uh, you know, you're basically their retained earnings over the course of 10, 20, 30 years, discount all of those cash streams back to present value, discount that uh, at, the, at the right rate that you set, and also divide it by the amount of shares uh, outstanding, and you figure out, you know, essentially a price target that you have for the company. And if you look at the, how it's trading on that particular day, if it's below, then you buy. And if yeah. it's over, then you stay out of it. That's yeah. really it. Um, I would recommend reading Warren Buffett's work mm-hmm. and how he performs these uh, analysis. Uh, and I think all in all, it it's, has been the only strategy that has worked for me uh, consistently. I have yeah. made money in other ways, but this is the only way that really made sense for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I've, I've never heard it put in that way, in that kind yep. of equation, but mm-hmm. that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm going to listen back to this just so I can understand that that equation or that formula a little bit better because um, I'm hearing it live for the first time. Also, I like to look at uh, the the moving average, for example, Apple, right? So Apple just had a monster quarter, right? Like they had their first, what, $100 billion quarter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I looked maybe a couple of days ago at their 200-day moving average. Their 200-day moving average price was on par with what the stock was being offered at today. So for me, that was a good sign to buy because I knew it makes sense for me to invest. But that's another uh, equation that people can look at as well. Yeah, buy the dip. Yeah. So yeah, chance what you're talking about is technical analysis and charting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I used to do that. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. I, I don't necessarily rely on that anymore. And I do look okay. at charts because other people look at charts. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't rely on charts, but I know people like you rely on charts. So I trade accordingly. Um, <laughs> and it's fine. I, I think it does work. Uh, it just um, isn't my cup of tea. And I think if people uh, feel confident about these patterns, they can trade on it and they have profited before, but it doesn't mean just, you know, in the example of Apple, let's say they took a dip. It does not mean, uh, you know, the reversion is going to happen back to the mean, Mm -hmm. meaning it's, you know, you're anticipating that it'll recover. It might just keep falling. And, you know, just because it's, it's lower than before doesn't mean it'll get back to the levels that were previous there. And just because a company is, moving up and to the right, uh, growing exponentially, it does not mean it's going to continue to grow. Yeah. So you really have to look at, again, going back to the fundamentals, what is, uh, what, what new product lines are they investing in right now? Mm-hmm. You know, what uh, new markets are they getting into to where they'll have a, a you know, a 10 X hundred X return. Uh, and then you discounted that back to the present value and figure out how much it's actually worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it really is about, um, Figuring out, figuring out your own price targets before making a jumping into the market blindly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. You said it the first time that we introduced this topic, you have to have both sides of the equation and that's yep. the financial analysis, but then also understanding the story of where the company is going, where their investments are so that you can really make an informed decision. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Uh, let's kind of jump back into your career. So um, you left work day. Where'd you go? What happened? Went to Drawbox. Okay. Uh, so I was working out of Dallas at the time. 
mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, you know, uh, my fiance was uh, here in the Bay Area. I really wanted to get, uh, you know, make make a change to, to where I'm not like traveling every weekend to see her. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, was trying to make a couple of lateral moves uh, internally within the same company it did not work out. So I ended up applying outside. Mm-hmm. I had content collaboration, software experience, selling at Box. So just one of the competitor. Uh, you know, Dropbox was happy to give me a shot mm-hmm. and was able to secure a job there. So, yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So had a great run in Dropbox. Where'd you go after Dropbox or what are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing, uh, um, so I work at Carbon Health, okay. or a healthcare technology company coupled with a medical group. And what we do, uh, what I do, the business unit I'm in is the enterprise facing businesses. So I mm-hmm. work with large employers mm-hmm. on providing COVID testing to employees and also symptom management and virtual health uh, software to make sure that everybody feels safe and to support the CHRO's return to work program. Yeah. So let's talk about this whole return to work thing, right? Mm-hmm. When do you think that people are going to be back in the offices? Officially? I don't think, I don't think, I think some people would not go back. <laughs> Period. <laughs> no, I think yeah. companies are thinking about the next steps. And uh, so far the conversations I've been having here in the Bay area, the consensus is probably September or later this okay. year after a significant percentage of the U S population has been vaccinated, uh, vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, significant by significant. My own guess is probably 30 to 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Biden has very ambitious vaccination plans, hundred million in the first hundred days. So we have been on target. Uh, uh, you know, we, it's been s- s- very slow in the beginning, but it's starting to pick up and starting to be on target uh, lately. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, when people do get inoculated and when we, when we do reach herd immunity that, you know, employers may be more open to thinking about reopening their facilities. Yeah. Yeah. That's what are you, what are you um, hearing? Like just in your job in relation to COVID um, like what are employers saying about, you know, the next step? Yeah. I think companies are changing the way to do business. I mean, my last uh, employer Dropbox, they just laid off 300 people. And they're thinking about building out a a kind of a digital first uh, way to engage with employees, meaning, you know, there's going to be studio, there's no longer offices, they're going to be called studios, people are going to go into these uh, places if they want to have a co working project, but for the most part, you know, let people work remotely. Uh, So I think for, for organizations that are in the internet media architecture business, for example, engineering, where they can work remotely, they will. Uh, I think there's going to be uh, huge cuts in terms of commercial real estate. Uh, although the, the commercial real estate bulls might disagree with me and they think, you know, this is an undervalued period and they're going to invest right now to, to benefit from the upswing. But I do think that companies are all thinking about the amount of cost savings they can get out of real estate and just yeah. cutting that presence for companies that have to be there. Right. So like healthcare workers, manufacturing, mm-hmm. uh, you, you need to be able to make a physical thing or conduct a physical service then I guess the pandemic has really changed that forever. Uh, and I think, I don't know if I heard this for someone else or I just thought of it the other day, but it's essentially, if you don't exist on the internet, you don't exist at all. This is both like for you and I as people and uh, for businesses as well. Yeah. So every single organization, no matter what you do has to exist digitally. So that's why I'm so glad that Chance, you're building your digital brand personally. And I do recommend that to everybody that's out there uh, right now. Um, 
Yeah, so they, they don't have a choice, right? For these in-person employers with essential work, uh, workforce, they have to invest in, um, you know, these areas like testing, like uh, health screening. Uh, and as a result, carbon has grown exponentially. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a good time to be in healthcare and I'm very grateful uh, to, to have this opportunity. Yeah, so let's talk about your future plans. Like, you know, where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years? Five, 10 about- years? Yeah. I, I haven't really thought about it that far. You know, <laughs> I learned that, you know, it's good to have plans, but also you have to build in room for flexibility. You take it day and by day, right? <laughs> I, I think directionally, I'd like to, you know, build my personal wealth and get really good at finance. I, I had the idea of maybe taking, you know, the CFA program and maybe managing, uh, you know, my family office one day. Uh, but maybe, maybe uh, I'll be doing something else completely different. I have no idea. But yeah, yeah. you know, for now, enterprise sales professional, uh, continue to build my career here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I- I'm interested to see what the next five to seven years look like for software sales. Um, just yeah. because uh, I have no idea if companies are ever going to let us back into their offices, right? And selling mm-hmm. these enterprise deals, um, while it's okay to meet via Zoom and you know, we've been able to, to get them to make investments via, you know, the internet. I think companies are most strategic leaders want to have some type of um, confidence, uh, build rapport person to person. So I'm interested to see what this looks like, you know, in the next five to 10, ten years. I, I And who knows, it could change, you know, to go more in this direction where, you know, people are comfortable, you know, having more Zoom calls and, you know, not really interacting outside of just the internet. Um, you know, maybe that's the thing, but I'm interested to see what this looks like in the next five to 10 years. Um, yeah, that's, that's. I think business time. travel is going to take a hit, honestly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it may come back for a while, but these, these companies like trip actions and, you know, concur for expense management. Like there's no, there's no expenses to speak of. I may be uh, speaking just for myself here, but I, you know, I buy the LinkedIn premium subscription and I expense that, mm-hmm. you know, traditionally you, when you and I were, you know, at Workday as enterprise field sales people, we flew out to our territories every single week. Yeah. There's months where I had a $10,000 expense, uh, you know, uh, yeah. that report that I was filing and like all of that corporate travel is pretty much non-existent at this point. I think it will eventually come back, but to a certain extent, uh, probably less than before yeah. uh, because everybody is figuring out how efficient they can be over these virtual interactions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you're seeing this new cohort, you're talking about zoom chance. Uh, I think you're seeing this new cohort of video conferencing companies that are starting to spin up right now for specific purposes, right? Yeah. There's companies like hop in and welcome that are sp- designed for events virtually for massive audience to receive information by keynote speakers. Mm-hmm. There's also, I know Cisco WebEx hasn't been investing they acquired a company called Slido for in-meeting uh, interactions and, you know, these in-meeting surveys that you fill out, they bought that for, uh, I believe, a couple hundred million dollars. So you're seeing all sorts of specialists within this video conferencing space already. Yeah. And it's getting, it, the competition is going to heat up for Zoom. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting because you, you mentioned Cisco. WebEx was my first introduction into like video yeah. conferencing outside of like Skype, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But from the business to business perspective, you know, Cisco had like a huge head start on zoom. Like, yeah, I, you know, yeah. 
for losing um, the battle. Yeah. Well, they're making it, you know, like you said, they're making investments um, and we'll see what this looks like because I know that some people are, you know, going with, they're going to be, there's going to be, you know, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, right? Like there's going to be space for a number two player or just another player in the space. So I think the way you disrupt is, is the, uh, these days, because there was uh, for a while, I know what people are still getting the first generation of iPhones that Mm -hmm. there was you know, an application economy, like everybody was building apps. Hey, my buddy has a company, they're building this app. And then it moved to social media when Facebook was popping. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have a social media network for contractors. I have a social media network for musicians. I'm, I'm building a social media network for anything. Yeah. And, and now I think the way to, for companies to differentiate and bring something new is by design. Mm-hmm. I think design and UX is so important. And, you know, in all honesty, how does Zoom win compared to WebEx? It really is the user experience, the yeah. elegant design and how simple it is to spin up a meeting, join a meeting and, and record a meeting, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So, so this, this is why, you know, I know Airbnb, they hire, they hire Johnny Ives as part of the design team who used to work at Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're using great designers and elegant experiences as a differentiator. Meanwhile, the underlying product is probably the exact same. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, you know, a lot of companies take, talk about, you know, being designed first, like taking a design, like the mm-hmm. Apple way of, you know, thinking, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's interesting to see that that might be, you know, the next, you know, wave of change, right? It's just great design, simple, easy to use, intuitive design. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, you know, when I talk about the next five to 10 years, um, you know, it's hard to judge, you know, what it's going to look like, but just to kind of pick up on certain trends and see certain people go certain places for certain projects. Um, you know, that might be telling about what, what, what can come, what can come in the next five years. So uh, wrapping it up, Robin, like we've been talking for a, a while and I feel like a lot of people yeah. have gotten value from this. Um, what would be your advice for young people, young people that might be interested in, in software sales or just young people in general? So my advice is to watch Scott Galloway's video on his advice to young people. And I'll be sure to link that. But to summarize, it's essentially number one, to get credentialized. Uh, it doesn't matter if you go to a college, but if you choose not to, we won't judge you. It's fine. But you just know statistically you're running up against the odds in terms of generating an income to be able to fulfill whatever that it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in lieu of a real college degree, four years, you may want to invest in an associate's degree uh, in your community college, you might want to invest in an online course for cybersecurity, AI, computer science, mm-hmm. uh, something. You want to participate in a specialized field. I don't care if it's you know plumbing or yeah. roofing. Just get credentialized. Get a part. Be be a part of a community that generates more return um, than than average. Uh, number two, I think he said something about going to the city, getting into a city, like. People are very dismissive at the Bay Area and Silicon Valley. And, you know, they all talk about like, yeah, I'm going to move to Texas. I'm going to have my own space. It's fine. But I still think cities are going to be the growth engines of our economy mm-hmm. and lock in with a city. I don't care if it's New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Houston, go to a city. This is where, you know, the GDP growth is going to be. And you, you may learn a thing or two. I don't, I don't care if it's really expensive. You should be able to use that experience and gain your own track record, work with the best of the best in the industry 
and move forward and get ahead from there. Um, I think there, you know, focus on educating yourself is very important. I mean, now is the best time in the world to uh, explore your intellectual in, uh, curiosity. You know, Chance, I know you're a parent uh, now, you know, think about all those things that you want to teach, you know, your son. Yeah. Work on that for yourself. I think yeah. of it in, in three buckets, you know, your humanities and um, culture mm -hmm. as one bucket. So reading instead of scrolling through your, yep. your apps, reading books, uh, getting an e-reader. Uh, that, that's always a good recommendation. Uh, and then uh, and another bucket could be STEM or um, some sort of a technical field. And then finance and econ economics. Get, get good at um, you know, digesting information and then having that um, you know, somehow actualized in your life uh, as a benefit. Yeah. And I think the last piece of recommendation I would have for somebody that's in high school, college, or starting their careers is pay for reliable information. Just mm -hmm. pay for it. New York, pay, buy, buy New York Times, uh, Washington Post uh, subscription, pay for the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg. Uh, I think you're going to get that return uh, in tenfold, if not more, mm -hmm. um, by understanding what's happening around us. And by re getting reliable information, um, you know, from trusted sources. Oh, so so I can't like rely on Reddit resources. <laughs> you can read, you can scroll Reddit and see what other people are thinking, but no, you shouldn't make <laughs> life changing experiences or decisions based on Reddit. Yeah, based on uh, Potato Lover sixty seven. You do, you do, you do get some great end user feedback and what you know, just people out there are thinking, mm -hmm. I do read. So I, I'm a registered Democrat. I voted for Biden, but I do read the, the conservative subreddit. I do still follow my, you know, the people that I used to know that are, you know, sworn Republicans mm -hmm. uh, for the reason, for the simple reason that I need to know what's going on. Yeah. Do not insulate yourself, understand what people are thinking and maybe dig into the reasons why they're angry and, uh, follow people that have different viewpoints, very different viewpoints than you. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I like to understand, you know, if one day a riot is breaking out, I, I like to, I like to know if where it's happening, why it's happening. And, uh, I think it, it helps you stay sane. Yeah. Um, and more so balanced. So important to just mm -hmm. have a diverse perspective, right? Yeah. Like you don't want to be pigeonholed into, you know, thinking one way. Right. And that's one of the reasons why yeah. I, I started this podcast is to, you know, number one, curate that intellectual curiosity that I have it within myself, but yeah. then interview people from all different walks of life. Um, I think that's something I'm passionate about. Um, yeah. Just, you know, cause I know that everybody isn't like me. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, there's beauty in that and just understanding mm -hmm. what the commonalities and the differences are. So with that being said, Robin, thank you so much for joining the take chances podcast episode five, the first episode of 2021. I'm so glad to have you on. Um, any last parting words, anything you want to say? Shout out to your mom or anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. And I think you're building a great community here. I look forward to seeing more. Absolutely, man. Thank you, Robin. Talk soon, man. If you enjoyed this episode of the Take Chances podcast, please rate us five stars and share it with a few friends. Please follow us on Instagram at Take Chances Podcast. And you can follow me personally at Chance Mac. Take chances. Have a great day.